We've been doing, uh, the church has been doing a study on the book of Philippians and pastor has been doing that faithfully every week, a grain of encouragement. I have listened to most of it and some, I think I might have missed out one or two. But I praise God that God had led me to share this word even before pastor had started the book of Philippians. So we know God is leading us, God is leading this church, God is directing this church. So I'd like to, you all to take out or turn your books to, your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I would like to read the whole passage, but when we come down to the verse that has been laid upon my heart to share with you this morning, we will remain focused on that passage, or that verse. Philippians chapter 3, Paul is speaking here. And this is the example of Paul. Paul said, follow me because I follow Christ. Not because he is anything, but because he follows Christ. So we are to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Oh, what a wonderful way for Paul to end that verse. Oh, what a wonderful way that's going to be for us. If we could have this very passion and desire that Paul himself had. Paul speaks about all the many things that he could boast about. But he counts all of those things as loss. He says, doubtless I count them as loss. And if you read and you heard, uh, heard right through uh, the grain of encouragement, it is a letter of rejoicing. Paul is rejoicing, and the only reason why he is rejoicing is because he's in fellowship with Christ. And when you are in fellowship with Christ, you will be rejoicing all the time. Because we, as fellow believers, sometimes we can disappoint one another, but Jesus will never disappoint you. And that's got to be your hope and my hope this morning. And as I read verse 10, he says this, that I may know him. Paul is not talking about knowing him in the sense that he doesn't know Christ, but he knows the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that word know, if you look at it in the, in the Greek, it says ginosko. And it has so many different levels of understanding if you look at that word. The first explanation to ginosko is to learn, to know, come to know, to get a knowledge of. It says to understand and to have a knowledge of. It also says intimacy. That word used in the Bible often is that word intimacy. It says intimacy between a man and a woman. It speaks about a relationship between a man and a woman. It is used here in a biblical sense, but it also does have a very spiritual sense to it. We have a physical sense and we have a spiritual sense of this word. And it also says to be acquainted with. So that word no goes beyond what we might think in our mind. This is how Paul wants to know the Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful it is for, for such a man who has written nearly half of the New Testament to say, this is what his, his goal is. How many of us would stand and say, this is what we want. I want to know you, Lord Jesus. I want to know you in a more deeper relationship. In a way like I've never known you before. Because the day you stop saying, or you start saying, it's enough, I've had enough, I know Jesus, I've known all about him, is the day you'll begin to backslide. Is the day you'll begin to lose your desire and your passion. Because Jesus is the center of it all. Many people want to get to heaven just because they want to see their loved ones. But they, forgot about, they forget about the one who loves them the most. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He should be the center of your affection and the center of my affection. Then the rest will follow. So Paul counts all things as loss. And if we can count everything in our life up to this point as loss, yes, that we might gain Christ, that you might have such a fellowship with him, it would be the most wonderful walk that you and I will have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul had suffered many things for Christ. I don't think we have had any suffering at all. Our sufferings can be sissy sufferings. Small little things that we can whinge about and, and say that we have suffered for Christ. But Paul suffered great things for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he still considers that as a loss. Because he said the most important thing was his fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Fellowship and communion with Jesus is number one. All other things become secondary. When that is your goal, you will walk the right path and Jesus will lead you. Paul has written nearly half of the New Testament. He's written so much. He's had out-of-body experiences. He has seen the Lord. But yet he longs to know Jesus more and more because Jesus has no beginning. He has no end. You cannot grasp him. People think that he's just a man. That's all he is. But Jesus is the eternal God. We sing songs that say he is beautiful beyond description. Words really cannot describe the Lord. We know when we read the word of God, we know who he is. But words really do not describe the Lord. I wanted to bring this at the end of the sermon, but I must share this now. When you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, all your theology will fall away. All that I've really read about him, which is true, will also fall away. That's what happened when John was taken up in the spirit and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He fell down at his feet. How wonderful that is. 
What a wonderful way for you and me to know the Lord Jesus Christ in such a manner. We, we cannot say that it was only for Paul. And he has had all the revelation that we need. And yes, that is true. All the revelation that Paul received was in and in this word. We do not come out with a new revelation that people begin to come out these days with. But it's all found in the word of God. Yet, you can have such an intimate relationship with Jesus because Jesus is having this relationship with so many of his children all over the world. Those who are seeking him with all their heart. And you can see the life of those people, how it is being transformed because of their walk with Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, it's different. But when you know about him, it's something far lesser than that. So this is what Paul is speaking about here. He says, he wants to, verse uh, 8, I count all things lost for the excellency, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, not just the knowledge of Christ. He wants the far most excellent knowledge of Christ. And that is the kind of knowledge which is only got by a personal relationship, personal encounter with intimacy, spending time in the presence of God. But you look at Paul and three other very important things that I want to share with you this morning. And this is what the Lord laid upon my heart. There are so many sermons on this. You can go and listen to them. I'm not saying that you should listen to all of them. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. And even when you listen to us being sharing the word of God here, always examine it with the word of God. Whoever the person is, the Berean church was a church that went and looked up the scriptures and they said, is Paul speaking the truth? So Paul had this wonderful revelation of Jesus, but they still examined it with the scripture. You must examine it with the scripture. If it is not right, you can correct the person in love. Because we are our brother's keeper. Remember that. Cain asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? He was questioning the Lord, but we are our brother's keeper. If someone goes out of the way, we must make sure out of the love of God to be able to bring them back into that fellowship. And that's also found in the word of God. Blessed be his name. So in verse 10, Paul says that his desire to know him and the power of his re resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. In three different ways he speaks of that. We notice that Paul is speaking this after coming to the cross. After he has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why he speaks of it in a different manner. He speaks of it in the reverse in the sense he's beginning with Christ's resurrection. His sufferings. And then he speaks of his death. But whereas for an unbeliever, they come to the cross where he died. Then they speak of the sufferings of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So you see how different it is for a believer. And here we see Paul is saved. He has a wonderful living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is not enough. Because he wants to go on further. And the church of Jesus is encouraged today to go on further. The Lord wants to encourage you to go on further in these three other ways that Paul is speaking about. He says that I may know the power of his resurrection. Have fellowship in his sufferings. And be conformed unto his death. So here, in this manner, when he speaks about his resurrection power, 
Paul wants this resurrection power and desires this resurrection power because it is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to preach not a dead gospel, but he's preaching a living gospel. The gospel that has life to transform a person. A person's life must be changed when he hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just hear it and go back and remain the same way he is. But resurrection has to take place. When you are spiritually dead, you come to life. You are dead in your sins and trespasses. But then you come to life and you hear the gospel and you receive the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, in a manner, this is the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants the church to experience this. And this can only be received with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he notices this and he says, as he sees around, there could be many, many who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but they have never had the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see this today in many churches. They are happy to have a cross with Jesus hanging on the cross. And that's all they present Jesus to the world. And I'm not denying that because Jesus did die. Jesus did die on the cross and that is a message that we preach. That he died for our sins, but he's no longer on that cross. They want to preach a dead Christ to the world and the world will look at him and they will think that is all is this person. He died for a very good cause. But they do not understand beyond that cross who he is. He is the living savior. He's the mighty awesome God seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's reigning in power. He's reigning in glory and he's coming back. He's coming back to redeem his world. He's so mighty. He's so tremendous. He's so powerful. That his eyes are the flame of fire. He looks into the hearts of every individual. If the church is preaching a Jesus who is resurrected, the resurrected king, the mighty king, he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back as a warrior. He's not coming back as a suffering servant, but he's coming back as a triumphant king. And this is what Paul wants us to experience. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes I will question this in my life before I point my finger to any other Christian. I want to experience this power daily in my life. And through this resurrection power, you can share the gospel with every single person who does not know him. And when that power of Jesus Christ touches him, you find him coming to life. The spiritually dead become resurrected. Now they can see their state of sin and they come into a place of righteousness and live with the resurrected king of kings and the lord of lords. So Paul speaks about this and he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. So we are believers too. We have been saved, blood washed, spirit filled, but you can get cold and you can get indifferent if you're not spending time with the Lord. We've heard this very often. If you neglect and you forsake the assembling of yourselves together, you can get weakened. You know that very well. If you stop attending this church or attending a church that preaches the word of God, you stop having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll slowly become weaker. It's like taking the coal out of the fireplace and you'll notice that it begins to go get colder and colder until that light almost goes out. And this is all the enemy wants to do with us. But we must remain in fellowship. But mostly and primarily, your fellowship must be the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The church is often, as I shared before, wanting to get people into the church. We want to fill up the chairs and get more people come in and think that that is what it means. 
for a church to be crowded and overcrowded. And yes, that's wonderful. It's not bad. And I say that. But if they're not found in the kingdom of God, it's pointless. They must be found in the kingdom of God. Get them into the kingdom of God. Don't tell them, we have a wonderful church and just come to church. Church will really not help them. Point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. When they come alive, when they are born of the Spirit, then they are come to the place where they know the Lord. The Lord will begin to work on their life. And yes, they will have fellowship in the right place. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus speaks about some kinds of churches that we've been talking about. Churches that are really dead. When you say a church, it's not the building, but it's the people. Where he says, I know your works. He speaks to the church in Sardis, and he speaks to the church in Laodicea. We know the Laodicean church is a lukewarm church. And he says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest. You say you live, but you are actually dead. Because they have never come never experienced the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. How sad it is that there are churches in such a state. Never come to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul is admonishing the church. He is telling us that this is the kind of power that you need to live by day by day. Dead works are before the cross. It's all dead. But once you come to the cross and Christ begins to live in you, you are created in Christ for good works. Your good works are now alive. Your good works are not what saves you, but your good works are an evidence that you have been saved. And that should be the way our Christian life is. We begin to live through the Spirit of God. We become alive by the Spirit of God. As we heard this morning, the man who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happened in his life? A transformation began. Love began in his heart. He began to go and see his mother. He began to share love with his mother. Things that he could not do before because now the love of God is working in his heart. And that's a key that we've been listening to in the, the epistles of John. How love is one of the most important definite fruits that we see in a Christian believer's life. Because Jesus said, By this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now many Christians who say that they are born again, they stop with that. I've received salvation and that's more than enough. But that's not more than enough. Because the next step is a step that we do not want to enter. And that's the place where the word of God or Paul is saying, he speaks about the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And what is the fellowship of Christ's sufferings? Most often, people will suffer through an illness or suffer through some kind of difficulty that they are going through in their life, or a hardship that they are going through in your family. And that is not necessarily a suffering for Christ's sake. Some people bring sufferings upon themselves, and they think that is suffering for Christ's sake. It is not really suffering for Christ's sake. If you look at the life of Paul, and you, if you look at the life of those believers in the past, whose lives lived out as a testimony, the real suffering that they went through was a suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For preaching the gospel, for speaking the truth, for standing up for righteousness sake. That's why they suffered. That is the true suffering of the church. You hear about other churches, 
who do all kinds of things and they magnify the suffering and they begin to say, we give this to the Lord Jesus Christ and that suffering has nothing before the Lord because they have never come to him. Jesus does not even know them. Those people are called, they are self-inflicting upon themselves and think that this is for the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at Paul's way of saying this. He says, the sufferings that he speaks about is here for preaching the gospel. Because the cross is an offense to many people. It's actually an offense to many churches as well. Because at the cross you humble yourself. It is humility when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you humble yourself, you recognize your state of sin. You're no longer going to live a life by your strength and by your ability, but by what he has done. And so many people, because of pride, it's our pride. Human pride can still be there. You think I can do this in my strength and my effort, it has to stop. If you've truly come to the place, you've denied yourself. Denying yourself is the hardest. I believe from my own life and experience that self is the biggest obstacle. You can see it in your very own life. And I'm very open with this because I'm also sharing in the same flesh like you. I have my weaknesses and my failures, but that is not my excuse. And that is, should not be your excuse. Continue and persevere righteousness. For when you persevere righteousness and truth at any cost, even at the cost of losing your life, then you will be following Christ. Because the word of God tells us, all those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Let's look at that in the book of Peter. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want to read those four, four verses to you. Then we'll begin to understand what the word of God is saying. And why is he saying this? What kind of suffering is this? 1 Peter chapter 4. From verses 1, 2, 3 and 4. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. That word arm is strengthen. Strengthen yourself in like manner. So arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he had suffered in the flesh, had ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, Lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Now he speaks of the things also that we did in the past, the way we lived in the past, the things that the Gentiles love. You can just look around you and see what the Gentiles are doing. How they love to live their life to the full. But sadly, many of those who are in the church do the very same thing. And there's hardly a difference between those people who say, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and those in the world. And how come the world says, how can these people be saved? If they can be saved, then I also can be saved. If they think that they are going to heaven, then I am better than them even by not going to church. And what a sad example that would be for us in 
fact, it goes deeper. Are you truly saved? Have you been truly born again? Have you been truly transformed? Has that really happened in your life? If that's not happened in your life, then you are deceiving yourself. We are fooling ourselves. Deception is so powerful. Be careful of deception. The Bible speaks of self-deception. Have you gone and read that in the word of God? You've heard about men deceiving us. But what about me deceiving my own self? It is possible for us to deceive our own self. We ought to be careful, brothers and sisters. This is why you need intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are in that intimate place with him, the Spirit of God is working in your heart. He is the one who is now leading you. He is the one who is convicting you. Do not turn away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God tells you this is wrong and this is displeasing God, stop it. Stop it. Ask Him for the strength if you cannot stop it and He will give you the power to overcome it. When you come to that place of desperation, God will set you free. That's what will happen. You must come to the place of desperation. People say, I can't give this up and I can't stop this. You can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's what we heard this morning. And even at the time when you fall and you fail, you cry out to the Lord, He will pick you up. A righteous man falls seven times a day. But the Lord will lift him up. He will not cast you out. So long as you repent, you recognize that it's sin and you ask the Lord for his mercy, he will help you. But if you say, it's all right because all my other bro Christian brothers and sisters are doing it, I can continue in it, that is the most dangerous place you are in. Don't ever fall to such lies. And that is the deception we can find in this world and oftentimes in churches. So many do not want to pay the cost for suffering for Christ. One is for preaching the gospel and for living a godly life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, Paul speaks about his death, being conformed to his death. Paul is not talking now here of being crucified just as Jesus got crucified. He's not saying, I want to be crucified like my Lord died on the cross. Have you seen sometimes during Good Friday, people have, churches have a procession. There's a man carrying a cross. He's being whipped. And then they take him down to a place and they crucify him. And the person thinks that he has done a great sacrifice for God. He thinks he has done great penance for God. And lots of people begin to exalt that person and lift him to a place. And many people think that's being conformed to the death of Christ. Many other people want to get crucified. But when it really comes to crucifixion, they will shy away. Because the kind of crucifixion our Lord went through is unimaginable. It cannot be explained. It was to the extremity. But Paul says he wants to be conformed in the likeness of Christ's death. Christ died and suffered for righteousness. He died for our sins. But we don't die to pay for somebody else's sins. We cannot pay. My death is not going to save a soul. My death will never bring any soul salvation. But your death as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ is a testimony. 
It is a true testimony that you serve a living God. Remember the first martyr, Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. He was ready to die for Christ. In that like manner, he was persecuted for righteousness sake and he saw Jesus standing ready to receive him. He was a man who stood and he preached the word of God in truth. He stood before the council. He was not scared of men because he was not scared of death. Because the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ had touched that man's life. I wonder if we are willing. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Because we live today in the world. There's nothing much to say about it in the sense you already know about it. I don't have to say you probably know far better than me what's happening in this world. We seem to be hiding away. The Christians want to hide behind the rocks. We want to hide behind buildings because we are ashamed to preach the gospel when somebody might throw a stone at you. You are ashamed to speak the gospel or speak about Jesus at work because it might take you to task. Or somebody might say, this guy is a religious fanatic because we are scared, we have such fear. But these people, they, were, they had no fear. They were ready to die for Christ. That's what it means. Because death to a believer is not the end. Death is glorious. If you want to read what Paul said, Paul said this, It is better for me to die, that is to be absent in this body, and to be present with the Lord. This is how much he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that how we love him? Is that the way I want to be with him? I want to know more about him and it doesn't matter if I die because that is my goal. Christ Jesus is my goal. But Paul went on to say, it is better for me to remain in this body because it's going to be profitable for you. Because he went to preach the gospel of Jesus. So don't pine for death. The Bible doesn't say to pine for death, but pine for Christ. That's what he said. He says when the bridegroom is taken away from you, then you will fast because you want the bridegroom. If you are in love with him and truly in love with him, there's nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God. There's nakedness, persecution, peril, tribulation, no works of hell, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ because the love of Christ is beyond human understanding. And Paul says this, that I may know him and being conformed unto his death. Now we begin to see that this what Paul shared nearly, I could say, in 180 or 1980 has been watered down to the ages. The church has become weaker and weaker and weaker. And we have begun to follow a pattern where we can have programs in churches. And all these wonderful things can happen, but yet our intimacy with the Lord has been lost. I want to end with this. In a church meeting, they had a recitation to recite scripture verses. And I'm not saying that's bad. Please listen to that. It's not that you should not recite scripture verses. You've got to memorize scripture. So there's a young man comes up and he begins to recite Psalm 23. The way he recited Psalm 23 was so wonderful. He was so articulate. The way he stopped and he paused and the way he sighed and the way he delivered Psalm 23 was so marvelous that the people were standing up and clapping their hands for a very long time because it was so beautiful. And then 
An elderly man was asked to come and recite Psalm 23. He came up and he began. He was so feeble. He seemed to be tearful. He was trembling. And he began to share that psalm. And at the end of the psalm, the people cried. They wept. They wept. And one little boy asked his father, why did they weep when this man recited that psalm? And the father told the child, the first man that preached the psalm, he knew, he knew the psalm by heart. But the old man that came and he recited that same psalm, he knew the shepherd of the psalm. Do we know the shepherd of the psalm? Or do we just know Psalm 23 by heart? can be recited, they can mount it. And it's marvelous, it's the most wonderful psalm. Even, I should say this with great reverence to the Lord, the heathen people sing Psalm 23 at a funeral service. Not knowing that shepherd, thinking that that person has gone to be with the Lord, but they never knew the shepherd. You do not know the shepherd of the psalm. He's lost everything now. I've lost everything. And that is what Paul is saying, that I may know him. This is what it means to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we know him in such an intimate way? Do we spend time in his presence? Do you read his word? Do you pine for him? Do you long for him? Because a day is coming very soon, the word of God tells us, when he is coming back for his bride. But also on that final day of judgment, we hear this very often, and it rings in my mind often. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. From verse 21 to 23. He says, the Lord says this, Jesus is going to say this. Not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never, I never knew you. Is that the most profound words one would hear? It would be the last words that you would hear from Jesus if you've never known him. The last words, because then there's a lost eternity that's forever. When Jesus declares these words, he, Jesus says he professes these words. I will profess. They are professing that they know Christ. But Jesus is professing and saying that I never knew you, meaning you never had an intimate relationship. You were never after me. You were after the things that I gave. Like the people of Israel were so happy with the blessing. Lord, bless us. Lord, bless me. Lord, make me happy. And Lord, make me prosperous. Lord, fill my table. Lord, make my balance big. But when it comes to serving him, Lord, I do not know who you are. 
That's why many of the Israelites did not enter into the promised land. And God said, he was angry with that generation because he said, they do not know my ways. They do not know me. But Moses was different. But Joshua was different. They said, Lord, we want to know you. Moses could say, if your presence does not go with me, Lord, I will not go. I want to know you and I want to see you. His desire was so much to see the Lord that God said, yes, I will grant you this desire. You can hide in the cleft of the rock, but you will only see my backward part. But he was granted that and that's what we need. We need to have such an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says that, that I may know him. Would that be your prayer today? Would that be something that will encourage you to go and sit at the feet of Jesus? You can either be a Martha or you can be a Mary. You can be a King David or you can be a King Saul. King David was a shepherd boy. That shepherd boy knew the shepherd. He could stand against Goliath. King Saul did not know the shepherd. He could not stand against Goliath. What happened to King Saul in the end? Goliath did not need to come and kill him. A little soldier, an Amorite soldier, took his life. That's what happened to King Saul. But King David went into the presence of the Lord. 